The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, and welcome to the Big Blue Big Board Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. Chris, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good, starting to get excited for the Combine, which, you know, that's that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, that's what we're doing today. We <laughs> are coming to you just right before the Combine, which is going to kick off this week in Indianapolis. That's where all of the NFL is going to be. All the coaches and general managers will be there. But uh, we're going to talk about uh, some guys who we are looking forward to seeing work out. And we're going to just kind of quickly, as we preview, talk about what really matters at the combine because it's become this huge thing now where just there's so many eyeballs on it and we kind of overreact to just about everything that happens so we're going to try to figure out what actually matters what you should be looking for when you see the results posted from the combine this week and all the workouts and you know the interviews and everything is, is a very big part of it the workouts are the public part, so they are what gets most of the attention. So while we get into that, we can just kind of take a look at what matters. And there are you know, a couple of events that, that do matter. And one thing that I think there's been pushback on lately is the 40. And that used to be like the biggest thing. And then there's been some pushback that the 40 like might not matter as much as it as it used to, or that we kind of overrate it. But I don't really think that's the case. Right now, I'm looking at an uh, overall graph from Brian Burke, now at ESPN, and is one of the like main, really like founding people of NFL analytics. And he posted this, I guess, a couple years ago now, of just what events matter to each position, and which events predict performance for really the first three years of a career. And if you look across all of these positions, the 40 is usually the one that correlates the best. That's not saying the fastest people at each position become the best players at each position, but the 40 is a meaningful thing. So while a lot of people are going to say that we take a little too much stock, uh, that might not be the case because the 40 does matter. Yeah, there's an idea that you know general managers should draft football players and you know not athletes in football uniforms but you are 
basically hiring these young men to be professional athletes. So they should be, at least in theory, athletic, you know, able to generate force, have coordination, move their body through space. And while running the 40 is a completely different animal from basically anything you do on a football field, because there is a very specific technique that all of these young men have have been training months to master, it's still actually a pretty not bad measure of just athleticism. Yeah, it is a good indicator of just what you can expect. It's not perfect for everything. It doesn't really matter what quarterbacks run in the 40. That we'll kind of get to because there might be one quarterback who does see that. But we'll see some positions that you wouldn't think matter. Like offensive tackle. There is a, just dive into quick number here, there's a 0.63 correlation between offensive tackles and, and their 40 time. And the, you know, the closer you get to a correlation of one, the stronger that correlation is. Uh, we're not going to get into too many of these specific numbers, but like for offensive tackle, and I think uh, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network on his podcast said he talked to one GM who said 40 is one of the most predictive things for offensive tackles. And that took some people by surprise, but that's that's kind of the case. And then there's some specific events that mean more for some positions than others. Like if you look at edge rusher, you want to see a good three cone. That shows whether they can bend at a good speed. And defensive back that works too, that goes along with some of the jumps that are good for a lot of those positions. That jumps are good for offensive line, defensive backs. But I also think when you're looking at some of this, getting all of them in in a composite is possibly the best way to use some of these combine scores. And we're going to do that once Spark comes out. And for those who don't know what Spark is, it's kind of it's a composite score of all of these events. It's something that Nike engineered a couple years ago. There's someone, uh, Zach Whitman, who kind of reverse engineered that formula and has been putting together Spark scores for players at the combine going into the NFL for the past couple years. And then he puts that against percentiles of NFL players. So you can see how overall athletic these players are compared to the players who are currently at that position in the NFL. So we are going to be using the combine numbers to make those composite scores and use Spark. Uh, I know I will rely on that heavily, especially at places like edge rusher and defensive back. What other events do you like looking at for some of these positions? Well, you covered some of the big ones, you know, the jumps for the linemen on both sides of the line of scrimmage, three cone, especially like you said, edge and defensive back because they have to have a certain amount of agility, uh, flexibility in their lower body just to be able to play their positions. For me, a lot of what I like to see is the field drills, the events that aren't timed, but actually gets gets to show you the various prospects doing things that look almost like football like with um offensive tackles there's an event where they kick slide and have to run a stand-in pass rusher around the pocket i like to be i like to be able to see how they move how fluid their lower body is can can they bend at the knee and sit into their stance and do all the things that they need to be able to do in the nfl and see them all 
on the same playing field, have it be completely level. Everybody, you know, it's not grass or turf. It's just inside turf. Everybody's doing it under the same conditions. So for me, that's a big part of the combine. And then there's also, you mentioned spark. There's also the concept of the speed score, which primarily goes into running back evaluation, which it's basically a measure of speed for size. Brandon Jacobs had one of the best speed scores in recent memory because he was ginormous and surprisingly fast over a distance. Saquon Barkley had a phenomenal one. You have talked about possibly doing a speed score for edge rushers. I would like to see that. I'd also be interested to see a speed score for offensive linemen and see how that correlates. Yeah, so speed score was something invented by Bill Bardwell, who's now at ESPN. Uh, He was at Football Outsiders at the time. Basically a weight-adjusted 40 time that the, the formula puts like an average time at 100. Uh, and then, you know, above 100 is you know, well above average, below is below. Pretty simple there. It's a, a pretty simple formula that we're not going to get into now. But yeah, it was originally used for running backs because you wanted to see how well these guys moved. And it added a little more context to the 40 time. And when Brian Burke put out this list of what events correlate well, weight and 40 were even stronger correlations for defensive ends than they were for running backs, which is what the original speed score was supposed to measure. So I've been, for the past couple years, been using speed score to look at some edge rushers, and I think it's worked out pretty well. Like, Lorenzo Carter was number two in speed score in this class last year, 121.9, which is really good. When you look at some of the other top guys in the class, they were pretty good. Marcus Davenport was number three. The Saints paid a lot to move up to get him. Josh Sweat uh, was up there. Uh, Bradley Chubb was in the top 10. You go back to like 2017, Jordan Willis was number one. Miles Garrett was number two. Hassan Reddick, who's someone uh, James Betcher was involved with and, and drafted in the first round. He was number four in that 2017 class, uh, followed by Solomon Thomas and Tack McKinley. So those are the better guys. So I, I think it is a pretty good metric just to see how well these guys can explode and move. And when you use that, again, you want to use all of this with some of the other evaluation. You don't want to just rest on this athleticism, even though, especially for, I know I will cite a lot of these numbers very often, but you want to mesh that with other things you've already evaluated from film and some of the other scouting and the projection. And when you put all of that together in a picture, that's what we really get from the combine. Yeah, that exactly that, you know, there is sometimes a sense, I think, that people kind of weight the combine too heavily. You know, oh, this player ran a great 40, so he must be great, so he'll be drafted highly. It's not that at all, at least not for any good evaluation. I would say instead that it's like uh, all pieces to a puzzle or just colors in a palette, and it just fills in the various textures and context to get the total picture of who a prospect is, or at least as close as you can come to a a total picture. 
And a lot of times what the combine is good for is making you go back to the tape on certain players. You know, if there's a guy you didn't think was going to test well, and then all of a sudden he's blowing things up, you have have to go back and figure, okay, what did I miss? Why didn't he look that athletic on tape? Or, you know, if there's a guy who looks athletic, but is just average or has a bad combine, then you have to go and say, okay, did, maybe did scheme help him out? What was he maybe sick for the workout? You know, what did I miss? Going back a couple years, I think everybody remembers the Giants were supposedly infatuated with Jack Conklin. He did not look terribly athletic on tape. In fact, there was some talk before the combine that maybe he would have to move to guard because he couldn't move well enough to stay at offensive tackle. Then he blew up the combine, at least as well as you can for an offensive tackle. And then everybody goes back to tape and realizes, okay, that he was actually quite athletic. It was just there were some, we'll say, hiccups and hitches in his technique where it was actually that athleticism that allowed him to recover from them and still be a functional tackle. Right, and that's that's basically all this is doing is just adding some context. And in terms of some players, it's very needed context, especially when people are looking at some of this college film and you're looking at maybe you're not looking at the greatest quality of competition they're going against so you don't always have a great idea of how well they're moving relative to everyone else or what they're going to see at the NFL level and that's what this gives us it just gives us that context all in the same kind of vacuum that you can judge against everyone else who has done it that's why the combine events have not really changed in forever because they want to keep that context between everyone who has ever passed through those events. So while we do that, let's jump into some of the players we're either excited to see or we want to answer some questions about as we get to the combine. I think we have about four each we can just dive into quickly. I think there's one we have to start with just because we almost have to start with him. He isn't actually on either of our list of guys that we really want to talk about, but it's almost obligatory, and that's Kyler Murray. You know, we've both said we don't particularly give a damn how tall he is and how much he weighs, but if he happens to come in and measure at, say, 5'10 and over 200 pounds and still runs the 4-3-40 he's supposedly capable of, the internet is just going to explode. NFL Network will basically be on fire. It will be inescapable. So I kind of just have to bring bring him up just to, I won't say get out in front of it, but it will be something pretty much everybody will be talking about by the end of Saturday, one way or the other. Yeah, this might come as a surprise to frequent listeners of this podcast, but I don't really want to talk about Kyler Murray. There's not a lot that Kyler Murray can do at the Combine that's going to change my evaluation of him. I think you can see from the film, his height is really not a problem. He gets around that very well. Even his weight, even if he comes in at 200, like I think Peter King on Monday reported that he's 
around 206 right now, which is great. I know some people were worried about his frame, but if you watch Murray and if you're worried about him being like a mobile quarterback who uh, is going to get hit kind of like Robert Griffin III did when he came into the NFL, uh, Murray... One thing that is great with his baseball background is he knows how to slide. Robert Griffin III did not. He was a terrible slider. So he really didn't have the option of avoiding hits. Murray avoids hits about as well as any mobile quarterback I've ever seen. He is hyper aware of where defenders are. He is consistently sliding to not get hit. So I don't have as many issues with his frame as other people do. And having a bigger frame does not mean you're less injury prone. We've seen Cam Newton just is a tank of a human being. And he has been injured in his career. He has a shoulder injury that we're not totally sure if he's 100% or not. Uh, Josh Allen this past year missed games after he got hit, and he is a gigantic human. Ben Roethlisberger has been injury-riddled his entire career. Um, We saw Andrew Luck miss an entire season. He is a big guy. Um, He's basically the same size as Cam Newton. yeah, Yeah. Being bigger does not make you less injury prone and being smaller does not make you more injury prone it just kind of depends on uh, on your body and how you react is in size does not really matter for that it's not a a strong correlation there and whether murray throws or not i think we've already seen he's an accurate passer i don't know if throwing at the combine really matters all that much i don't think you learn much from throwing I was in attendance one of the first years they allowed actually people to be in attendance at the Combine, the year the Jared Goff and Carson Wentz uh, came out. And uh, you can kind of tell there was a difference when they threw from the other quarterbacks in that class. But getting like just an overall look and thinking like they were substantially better just from the throwing drills is not totally the case. So as long as Murray's there, he's going through the interviews. I I just don't know how much is going to change. And if you're an NFL evaluator whose view of Murray is going to change, whether he's 205 or 195, you have to, I think, rethink how you're thinking about what you view as acceptable baselines, because I don't think that changes that much. Yeah, no, and you mentioned throwing, and that, I think the fact that they are putting themselves out there in direct comparison to basically the guys they're competing against for a draft slot, and putting themselves in the position where they might look bad but are doing it anyway, to me that just says more than what they actually do throwing the ball, because odds are they're going to be throwing to people they've never even met before. Or if they met, it was in training or in passing. They're not throwing to their regular receivers. So whether or not the ball is completed or if their throwing motion is picture perfect, to me, that's less important than the fact that they're just taking the opportunity to compete. Right, yeah, that goes for all quarterbacks. Um, and now for saying I don't really want to talk about Murray, we spent a decent amount of time talking yeah, so... about Murray again. So let's move on. Uh, before we do that, let's take a quick break. Okay, so we each have a couple guys we're interested in seeing how their combine goes, whether it's because we're really interested in how they work out or we just have some questions that might be answered by these workouts. So why don't we jump in with your first guy, Chris? Yeah, my first guy is uh, Ja'Kai Polite, 
the edge rusher out of Florida. I, you know, I've mentioned him a few times. If you've been following along with my pre-combine depth charts, which are sure to change after this weekend, I had him ranked third behind Nick Bosa and Josh Allen. And my reasoning there is that the purpose of an edge rusher is to get into the backfield as quickly and efficiently as possible. And on tape, it looks like Polite has possibly the best edge rusher tools in terms of first step explosion, ability to bend around the edge and use his hands to keep blockers off of him. And all of those things will be on display in at the combine, you know, we'll see the 40, we'll see his vertical and broad jumps. We'll see the three cone and that will show again, his speed and explosiveness, the jump show, lower body explosiveness, the three cone, and also the short shuttle, lower body flexibility, and just short area acceleration. So that'll let us know whether or not those tools that we see on tape are legit and there and how they stack up to everybody else on the field drills we'll get a chance to see how he uses his hands you know how he uses a a club move or a rip move or how he can explode into blockers you know at the combine they'll be behind a bag but you'll get to see how how much upper body explosion he has and I don't know for certain yet, but I have a very strong feeling that he will be one of the edge rushers who will be asked to participate in linebacker drills as well. So we'll get a chance to see whether or not he can play in space, whether or not he can drop into coverage and, you know, maybe break up a pass or something like that, which isn't what guys like that should be asked to do often. But on certain blitz concepts, it's nice to know they're able to do so. Yeah, and my first guy is Brian Burns, edge rusher from Florida State, for slightly similar reasons. Uh, so Burns is a guy that probably is going to turn some evaluators off because he's on kind of this slender side. He was listed at 235. We'll see what he comes in at the combine, although he is 6'5". Uh, but he was a very, very productive pass rusher for Florida State. Uh, Burns had three forced fumbles. He had 10 sacks. Uh, Sports Info Solutions had him listed with 65 pressures, which was only second to Josh Allen among this draft class. 26 quarterback hits, which was third. So if he is someone who can match his production with crazy athleticism, which I think is probably going to be the case, then I think that makes you feel a little better about his size and his ability to produce uh, against NFL-level offensive linemen. And I think that gives you uh, a better view of what his role can be, um, even if he is a little lighter than you would expect an edge rusher to be. But if he has that production and he's super athletic, then I think that definitely helps his case. So I think he's someone who has probably a lot to gain with his workouts in Indy. I had Burns ranked fourth just behind Polite. They're, as you said, they're in similar situations. Neither one is getting ranked with... Nick Bosa and Josh Allen, but they, they have a chance to do a lot of good for their draft stock this weekend. So they're both definitely worth watching. The next one, I think 
We have two who, again, they're kind of in the same position. Mine is Charles Omenihu out of Texas. Some places I see list him as an edge, some as a defensive end. And I think for him, you know, he definitely appears to be an explosive linear athlete, you know, just in a straight line on tape. I want to see how he bends and I want to see how he bends in relation to the other players in this draft class. Is he a seven technique who can play five technique or is he, you know, a true edge who could play defensive end or outside linebacker. And I think things like, again, the field drills, but also the three cone and short shuttle will be informative on that. Yeah, I've seen him listed as uh, interior defensive lineman, which would be interesting. He's listed at 6'6", 275, so he'd be, you know, a little light for, you know, the interior. But he can play there and has the ability to rush the passer, 31 pressures, 17 hits. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to, one, see what he weighs and how teams are going to view him. And then, yeah, how that profile changes and I think if we now stay in the interior one guy I'm I'll say slightly interested in seeing or at least has a lot riding on what his combine numbers are uh, is Rashawn Gary I've seen views of him kind of all over the place a lot of people like him as like a top 10 at least a player in this class but if you kind of watch his film you look at his uh, production numbers he only had three and a half sacks only nine run stuffs and 21 pressures which is not great among this uh, interior defensive line class but basically everyone who likes him is projecting him to be a super athlete and at this point when you have the kind of film and production going against you Gary doesn't really have a choice but to have a monster workout at the Combine in order for him to be where a lot of people are projecting him to be. So if he comes out and has just an average Combine, to me at least, that raises a lot of red flags. So he's someone who I think really has to have a good Combine. So that's something that we should be watching because if not, then it really makes you wonder what his role is and whether he's going to succeed at the next level especially where he might be taken yeah yeah i i kind of feel like if he's one of those players where his if he has a bad combine it will force people to go back to the tape and as you said he was not as productive as he was basically hyped to be his play did not match the hype and having a bad combine really could torpedo his draft stock I suppose it wouldn't be surprising to see a team still fall in love with him and draft him highly, but you know, I don't know. So why don't you take the last one before we move out of the, well, not quite out of the front seven. Cause you have one more edge you'd like to do. Yeah. So I want to see uh, Ben Benogu's testing. Uh, he's someone, he's a linebacker out of TCU. I took him in the mock draft we did last week. And so he's someone who was a very productive pass rusher. 
had 63 pressures, which was just behind Brian Burns and Josh Allen uh, last year among edge rushers in this class. He had 30 quarterback hits tied with Josh Allen for the most in this draft class. But he's he was asked to play linebacker at the Senior Bowl and kind of move away from edge. But that, again, I, I kind of talked about this during the mock draft we did. If he is athletic enough to fit the Hassan Reddick mold, that's a similar move Reddick made uh, at the Senior Bowl from edge rusher to linebacker. Reddick completely blew up the combine at like 237 pounds. Benogu's listed at 249, so he's a little heavier, uh, but if he can still have a huge a combine, then I think he's worth a flyer because he's not as highly regarded as Reddick was. So if you can possibly get that type of production and athleticism later in the draft, then I think he's someone a lot of teams should try to target. But if he doesn't have the workout uh, I think you can kind of maybe hold the brakes a little bit and uh, maybe he doesn't project as well because there are some Ben concerns uh, and some other things on his tape. So if he does have a good combine to go along with uh, the production he had, I think he's absolutely someone you should really target in, in those middle to late rounds. Yeah, and you, you mentioned our uh, dueling mock drafts from last week. I'm actually surprised neither one of us picked Christian Miller as a guy we want to watch but with him I think the questions aren't so much what what he can show on you know on the combine field but how healthy is he because he missed the senior bowl with an injury there was another injury I believe it was his junior year and just you know why didn't he get on the field more with Alabama so I think that's more a question of the medical checkups and interviews which are also an important part of the combine process, but not something those of us on the outside are really privy to. So my last front seven player is Ed Oliver, the defensive tackle out of Houston. Uh, He's one of the most highly regarded prospects in this whole draft. If you've watched his... Anything? Yeah. He is on the field in shorts and a t-shirt practicing. He is just an absurd athlete. He does things, even if he, even if the rumors are true and he was playing at 270 pounds, A, he still has a ridiculous first step and ridiculous agility, even at 20 or 30 pounds under what you would want for a three or five technique. But Houston played him at nose tackle a lot and he was moving centers backwards. So if he was at 270 and doing that, he also has just stupid power. He's one of the players I'm looking forward to watching just for watching a human who is just on the extreme eastern side of the bell curve of what humans can do. Just watching him do athletic things. But also the questions with him I I have are really related to his hand usage. And I want to see how he does on the field drills, you know, in the pass rush drills, when they're going against the bags, how well does he use his hands to how, how much of a jolt can he generate? How tight can he turn the corners and just technique side of it? Because that I think is what will determine his upside and his ceiling at the NFL level. 
he's gotten compared a lot to Aaron Donald. And like I said, when we talked about the interior defensive lineman, I don't want to put that on him. That is just an absurd expectation. He might be a better athlete than Aaron Donald is, but Donald was just so much more polished coming out. But if he does have that athleticism and he can gain that kind of polish, then you have just an absolute terror who he could rush from anywhere in the front seven. I think Lance Zerlines at NFL.com has talked about the possibility of a team playing him at inside linebacker. He moves so well. So if you could have, say, a 285, 290-pound defensive tackle stand up and help execute a double A-gap blitz, that is the stuff of nightmares for an offensive coordinator. Yeah, to an extent. I I almost worry if... Oliver has more to lose by having a great combine because I think this was also from a Monday morning on Daniel Jeremiah's, I think he had a media teleconference and I think he said some teams believe Oliver could play like a stand-up role like Melvin Ingram and uh, as cool as that would be, I mean, it's kind of just overthinking what Oliver does so well and just put him in in the middle of the defense, allow him to blow through um, interior defensive linemen, and then you also have the edge pressure. So I almost wonder if the Oliver having a great combine almost works against him uh, in some ways by just NFL teams trying to overthink what he does well, uh, which should just be putting him in, in somewhere in the middle of the defense, in the interior, let him rush the passer and blow through people there. What, NFL teams overthink things and just get stuck in their own head? No, that never happens. Uh, yeah, never. All right, Speaking of stand-up roles and athleticism. Yeah, we'll move on to uh, my last guy. He's a little under the radar, but it's Jelani Tavai. He's a linebacker from Hawaii. This is not a great off-ball linebacker class. I don't think there's a lot of depth. I think we know the Devin Whites and the Devin Bushes of the world are, are highly regarded. Mac Wilson probably is someone who has more athleticism than really production on tape. But Tavai is someone who can maybe play a good role in a modern offense. He's someone who should be versatile. He's listed at 6'4", 245. Uh, We'll see how accurate that is. He had five tackles for loss, two sacks, and 11.5 run stuff. That's pretty good for an off-ball linebacker. Uh, Per Sports Info Solutions, he only had 14 targets, but only allowed 3.1 yards per attempt uh, on those targets in coverage. So, and he is someone, if you maybe move him around a little bit and you can kind of play him, he's played some in the slot and he kind of played traditional linebacker. And I've seen maybe a, a comparison to Fred Warner, who came out of BYU last year. And he's Fred Warner is someone I liked a lot last year. He was super athletic. He kind of played all over the defense. He could play that modern coverage linebacker role. So in order for that comp to really work for me, I need Tavai to be as athletic as 
Warner was. If he is someone who tests really well, comes out with a really good spark, which is what I'm going to be looking for at these types of linebacker positions, he's someone I'll be very interested in in the later rounds, especially when we talk about how deep this class is on defense. Uh, that's not really the case at, at linebacker. And if he's athletic enough, he could be a, a very good modern linebacker. And that'll be something the Giants do need to look for. Even though they have Alec Ogletree, we know about his struggles in coverage. Um, BJ Goodson, uh, we don't really know how the Giants feel about him. And there's just kind of question marks all over the place. So I think if he tests really well, he should be someone that gets on a few more radars. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of teams around the league are going to be looking for more of those modern linebackers, guys who, you know, they, even five years ago, probably would have been considered either undersized, maybe maybe even consider them strong safeties and not linebackers, who are, you know, 6'2", 6'3", something like that, somewhere around 230, 235, guys who can run and cover. So I think Darius Leonard made a lot of money for guys this year. You know, as a small school player who basically proved that a run-and-chase linebacker is not a bad thing in the modern NFL where basically offenses are so far ahead of defenses and they are so good at creating conflicts and forcing defenses to cover the entire field. Yeah, that's what you want for your linebackers now. The the big bulky run stoppers are just, they're not the thing they used to be. So you want the guys who can move sideline to sideline, have coverage ability. And that's what's going to make the middle of the defense better. And that's something that possibly Tavai can bring uh, depending on how well he tests. So I think that's that's all we have for the players we're going to highlight there's definitely more players we're interested in uh but we've been talking about a lot of players all throughout the past podcasts we've done uh we've been writing a bunch on the big blue view so you can find more players uh, to be interested in and there we're going to be back later in the week recapping what we've seen of the combine depending on when we record and how much we've seen uh, when we do that recording but we'll be recapping some parts of the combine later in the week and the beginning of next week too and then after that it's straight on to free agency and then it's a lot of stuff going straight forward to the draft so it is an exciting time things are about to pick up which is exciting Uh, So that's going to be all for today. You can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review if you have not. That helps us greatly. Um, Read our work on BigBlueView.com. Follow BigBlueView on Twitter at BigBlueView. Follow BigBlueView on Instagram at Big underscore blue underscore view you follow me on twitter at dan pizzuta you follow chris on twitter at raptor mkii thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again soon more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. 
Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.